Hi, welcome to the Fast Life with Diabetes podcast. My name is Lucy Fisher. On this podcast, we'll discuss everything related to intermittent fasting and type 1 and type 2 diabetes. We'll share tips and tricks, and we'll reveal some of the challenges that we've all faced as we go through this journey. We'll also have some fascinating guests that will share their stories. Thanks so much for joining. It's going to be a great show. Also, before we get started, I just want to remind you that I am not a doctor. Before beginning an intermittent fasting protocol or making changes to your medication, I highly recommend that you speak to your doctor. Thanks everyone for joining. Today I have on a very interesting guest. His name is Michael Fitzpatrick and he's a fellow type one diabetic and he has been intermittent fasting and has made changes to his diet. He's been at this since about November, 2020 and has had an incredible weight loss of 110 pounds. His A1C is fantastic at 5.2, and he's using about a quarter of the insulin that he used to use previously. So I'm really excited to get into it. Do you want to go ahead and give us a quick a quick update as to who you are so that everybody can yeah, get sure. to you a little bit? Absolutely. Thanks, Lucy. Yes. Thanks so much for inviting me onto your podcast. Um, we first uh, came across each other, I think, in a different Facebook group surrounding type 1 diabetes. And I made a post about the success that I've had uh, with fasting in, in type 1. So I'm glad to be here. So anyway, my name is Mike. I'm 38 years old. I do uh, program management for an IT company here in Maryland. I'm married with three kids. And I've had type 1 diabetes for 24, almost 25 years. And I've been uh, practicing fasting, intermittent fasting, extended fasting since about November, 2020. Yeah. So you've been at this for a little over a year, which yes, is correct. incredible. So maybe you can, before we dive into intermittent fasting, maybe you can just tell us how you manage your diabetes now, because I think that's sure. important with some of us on pump, some of us on MDI. It's just, would love to get that baseline. Absolutely. So I was on um, multiple daily injections for pretty much my entire type one diabetes career. I made the switch to the uh, T-Slim with control IQ in around April, 2021. And that was a really big game changer for me. I, I'm currently taking Novolog insulin along with my, I'm also obviously on the Dexcom G6. And I actually was kind of a late comer to Dexcom as well. I didn't start using it until about uh, 2019 or so. I, I kind of had this funny, idea that I didn't want to be hooked up to, to pumps and um, CGMs and that sort of things. But my endo talked to me about it and I'm really glad that I made the jump. So um, something that the pumps really helped me with and fasting has really helped me with um, is I have really bad dawn phenomenon and feet on the floor. I would constantly wake up with blood sugars over uh, 180, over 250 sometimes. And these days, it's a very rare occurrence where, where that happens. And especially when I'm fasting, I, I normally wake up with blood sugars uh, in the normal range between 80 and 100. So it's been combined with the fasting, the the Dexcom and the the, the Tandem have been a real game changer for me. So. so when you got onto the Tandem, did you have to make a special setting for your feet on the floor or was it just automatic that it figured that out? It figured it out automatically. I do have two special settings on my Dexcom or my Tandem right now. I have one for fasting and one for eating. Uh, the one for eating has a little bit higher basal rate because obviously my body needs more insulin when I'm eating. And I usually turn that on for about 12 to 16 hours after I eat. So, Okay. 
Okay, gotcha. So, so you started the pump, you started on tandem in April, 2021. So you had already been fasting when you started on the pump. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. And it took a lot of uh, trial and error to avoid the hypos. When I first started out, I was fortunate to have Dexcom because I could treat the, the hypos and I could see them coming. And I did scale back my insulin dramatically when I was on MDI, but the, the Dexcom with control IQ made it a lot easier to, to fast. So it's, it's definitely something that if any type one diabetic wants to kind of jump into the fasting world, either extended or intermittent fasting, that's one thing I will say is you have to keep a very close eye um, on your blood sugars, make sure you don't get hypo and don't be afraid to treat hypo. So. Right. Yeah. I definitely want to get into that because that's something that I deal with a lot. Actually, yesterday I was trying to do just alternate day fasting and have a down day and my blood right. sugars were worse than they've ever been because I just couldn't dial it back enough. And I just, yeah. I had to kind of like abandon it and I'll do it again later. But yeah, that's, that's a real, that's a real problem, but I'm really interested to hear about a little bit more about how you did that. But before we get into that, maybe you can tell us, so you started intermittent fasting in November, 2020. How did you find out about it? What brought you to it? Sure. So I just, I had a lot of weight to lose. I'm six foot three or close to it. And I was about 370, 380 pounds. I had just had a lot of weight to lose. I had tried diets before, uh, keto diet, which I found to be pretty good for blood sugars and weight loss, but I, I didn't stick with it. As soon as I started eating carbs again, I put all the weight on again. And I just woke up one day. I said, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to eat for 48 hours. The 48 hours went by. I don't know what, what caused me to think that way. It's just something that happens. Like, you know what? I, I'm going to see what happens. So 48 hours went by. I was like, you know what? I, I feel pretty good. So I'm going to keep pushing it. So I pushed it to 72 hours at the end of 72 hours. I was like, you know what? I, I still feel really good. I, I don't really feel hungry. I have lots of energy. So I kept pushing and ended up doing a seven day fast the very first time I ever got into fasting about 168 hours total from, from what I've read, a lot of people, they um, can't do extended fast like that. Like you have to build up, but that was just something that I think I was just kind of stubborn. I was like, I just wanted to see how far I could go um, and ended up making 168 hours. And I think that first week I lost about 15 pounds. Uh, wow. The first month that I did fasting, I lost, I think, 40 pounds total or something like that. I'm guessing uh, 75% of that is probably water weight. And I've read that for every day that you do fasting, you lose up to about a half a pound of fat. That's according to someone that I, I follow, Dr. Jason Fung. So yeah, and then after, after that, I practice extended fast. I, do, I try to do a minimum of 36 hours back to back. This past holiday, you know, we just had Christmas and New Year's. I did do eating. I pretty much ate whatever I want, guilt-free, because I knew I was going to just roll back into a fast. So after that was done, I, I jumped into another 96-hour uh, fast. And right now I'm in the middle of, I'm in uh, hour 36, about a 72-hour fast right now. So Wow. So when you first started and you did that, how long was the first one? You said not 72 hours. It was, you did four days or... My my very first fast I ever did was 168 hours. I think that's seven yeah. days. Seven days. Oh my gosh. So did you have a lot of, you must've had a lot of lows during that first fast. I had some lows, but uh, it actually wasn't too bad. I just dramatically scaled back on my insulin. I ran a, a little bit higher than I was used to. 
but otherwise, you know, it really wasn't too bad. But you had background insulin going because you were you weren't on the pump yet, so you had like a background and then like a, a short acting as well. Right. So, did you, so I took. Yeah. I took. Well, yeah, I took. I I was taking about sixty units of Basilgar, the long acting, and I scaled that back to about forty units while I was doing this experiment. Um, and then it just it just seemed to work out. It was just kismet that you know I got it right. So, but, wow. but like I said, if, if there's type ones out there that want to get into this, really, I, I would suggest uh, talking to your endo or your diabetes care team and just really keeping a, a close eye on the amount of insulin that you need, because you may not be as lucky to, to get your insulin right the first time. So, yeah, I certainly didn't. I, I, it took, it was, there was a little bit of trial and error there. I, I knew I had to scale it back, but I didn't know like by, by quite how much, and it turned out to right. be quite a bit. And so there were definitely some lows in the beginning. So when you, when you just started fasting, you didn't know anything about it. You started learning about it after the fact. Correct. And I heard you mention yep. Dr. Jason Fung, who's fantastic. Dr. Jason Fung. Yep. Yeah. He, he's really kind of opened my eyes to this whole world. You know, fasting has been around since the dawn of time. All the major re religions do it. You just, it's not really part of the mainstream. There, there's some theories out there because it, it's, it's kind of hard to make money off of doing that. There's some people that do like coaching groups and stuff like that, but really, you know, there's no products to sell, stuff like that. Like I said, people have been doing it since the, the dawn of time. There really wasn't too much information about type one diabetics doing fasting. There's some spattering on online, but when I first got into it, I, I, I read Dr. Jason Fung's books. I watched nearly all of his lectures on YouTube and just tried to learn as much as I could. And the more I learned, the more I fell in love with it and saw the success I was having with weight loss and blood sugar control. So... Yeah, it's funny because a lot of that stuff obviously is more targeted toward type two and there's a general exactly. misconception yep. that type ones can't do it. Yes. And, you know, it is just like everything for us. Everything's harder, but we can do it. You know, it just exactly. takes a little bit of practice and a little bit of fine tuning of the settings. Yes. There's actually a, uh, one of the earliest YouTube videos that I saw when I was researching this, there's a type one diabetic doctor over in the UK, I believe he did a five day water only fast and he ran 20 miles a day and he ended up doing just fine. He got some hypos and he actually took, I, I think, glucagon to treat his hypos during the, during the fast. But he showed the world that type one diabetics can do, you know, 20 miles back to back to back to back while fasting. So as you say, you know, as long as you have your, your insulin dialed in, right. <clears throat> you, you can do fasting type one diabetics can do anything. So. So when you transition off MDI to the pump, was there a period of transition there where your blood sugar is kind of messy for the first little bit, or did you kind of get it right yeah. close to yeah, the my, beginning? My blood sugars ran higher than I like liked to see them. My diabetes educator kept like increasing my my insulin very, very incrementally. And I, I'm the type of person where I I don't like seeing high blood sugars at all. I treat it if it's uh, above 120. If I see it above 120, I'll, I'll try to knock that down. But it took about a couple weeks, I'd say, to get my insulin settings right on on my pump. But then at, at the time, I, I was losing all kinds of weight, and my insulin needs just kept going down and down and down. So, and I'm lucky with the control IQ because it's got the the automated basal, so that really helped a lot. So. Have you found your insulin needs leveling? Are, well, first of all, are you still trying to lose more weight or are you basically in maintenance now? Yeah, so I'm at about 260 now and I'd like to lose probably about another 60 more pounds or so. 
that would give you, I, I know BMI is not really a good thing to, to see, but I, I'd really like to get um, under 200 and get a kind of a healthy BMI. So, so I guess at this point, your, your insulin needs are still going down over time. Is that right? Yes. Yep. So before I did all this, I was probably um, taking close to 180, 200 units of insulin, which is absolutely crazy. That's, that's a combination of basal and, and bolus. And just the other day when I was fasting, I took, I had about 23 units total for a day. So you do the math, that's like one, almost one tenth of what I was taking. And when I eat now, I'm taking probably about 45 to 60 units, just depending on, on what I eat. And when I do eat, I don't really, I don't track calories. I don't track macros or anything like that. And I eat till I'm full. I eat what I want. I I just stay away from the processed stuff and sugar and, and I'm having really good success. So I have my next endo appointment next week. So I'm going to get an updated A1C. But as you said, during the intro, my, my last A1C was 5.2, which is the lowest it's ever been. So very happy. Before you started intermittent fasting, do you remember what your, you know, A1Cs were sort of trending at? Sure. I was in the low sixes, I think probably 6.2, 6.3, 6.1, somewhere in that range. And then, um, you know, this, helped a lot. It took almost the whole point off. I don't, I used to have really bad roller coaster blood sugars. I, I get really high then real low. I can't tell you how many times my wife has called the paramedics for me for um, hypoglycemic events. I'd have seizures all the time for taking too much insulin. I can't remember the last time that um, I needed help with the hypo. My blood sugar, my blood sugars have been like a line. It's really been fantastic. I'm so fortunate that I found this, this tool to use to help me manage my I, uh, diabetes. Speaking of doctors, has your doctor been on board with what you've been doing generally? Yeah. It's funny that you say that from, from what I've seen, most endos, they still, I'm not saying that there's a right way to eat a wrong way to eat, but I have found that eating low carb along with fasting has, has really made my blood sugars really stable. And the, a large segment of the endo community, they're, they're scared to death of people getting hypo hypos because they have some kind of liability or something like that. So they, I have found often advocate diets that are higher quote unquote in carbohydrate. I'm not saying that, that type ones can't eat high carb and have good blood sugar control. That's just not for me. I did tell my endo that <clears throat> I was fasting <clears throat> and she was not into it. She said, Oh, you know, you need to eat throughout the day. You're going to get low. If you do fast, make sure you're not doing it more than 16 hours in a day. So that basically means you just skip breakfast or something like that. So you, you have to eat lunch, dinner, and a snack. But I my experience has been totally the opposite. So I don't know if they're going to get on board with, with fasting. Maybe there's endos out there that do that. But I'm kind of just keeping it to myself that I'm fasting without my doctor's 100% approval. So if that makes sense. And I'm, I'm sure there's many type ones out there that can kind of relate to fighting with endos about that kind of stuff. So, yeah, my doctor has been supportive, but she's not, you know, she's like, yeah, I mean, I guess if it works, go ahead, but she's not like giving me tips or trying to really help with that. She's just like, wow, you right. lost a lot of weight. Your A1C is great. Like keep it up. I don't know what you're doing, but yep. you know, keep it up. But I kind of wish that, <clears throat> and I'm sure you probably would agree with this when you get diagnosed, especially if you're an adult, especially or you're having wild roller coasters all day, if endos would just say to you, have you thought about intermittent fasting, maybe take a meal or two out of your day just to see if that helps to stabilize you. But I've never once had it mentioned to me, hopefully as intermittent fasting becomes more mainstream, that's something that 
kind of creeps over in the medical medical community, although it probably will take a long time. Yes, I, I think, like I said, it, it's been around since um, the first people on Earth. You know, there there were cavemen out there, cavemen and cave women that probably didn't get their their meal for like a week, and then they would get a big meal they would eat, and then you know they go another couple of weeks without eating, and we seem to survive as a species and. It just, and there's a lot of research out there that shows that, you know, fasting has been done for, for medical reasons for millennia. And I, I just think fasting has been shown to have a lot of benefits, not just for blood sugar, sugar control and weight loss, but also for auto, autophagy. I always get that wrong, which is kind of your body recycling the old kind of damaged cells. So Dr. Fung, who I, who I follow a lot, he, he's a nephrologist up in Canada and he sees a lot of patients that have a lot of weight to lose. So he prescribes these intermittent and extended fasts. And he probably, he always says that the patients that lose all, all this weight, he's never had to refer one patient for skin removal surgery because of the autophagy. So your body actually eats the, um, the, the excess skin, not to be too gross, but that's kind of a, an amazing feat if you if you think about that. So there's a, a lot of different benefits. Have you noticed that as well with your weight loss? I have. I have actually. Yeah, I've noticed that so, too. I was surprised by that. I thought I would have some, I mean, I, I yep. only lost 30 pounds, but you know, on my frame, it's kind of a lot. And I was thinking it was yep. going to get really flabby, but it, it didn't. I was shocked. Yep. And uh, people have reported uh, if you have skin tags, your skin tags will disappear. Your your skin will, will clear up and it's... It's definitely uh, uh, pretty interesting how, how your body works. So, Have you had any other, aside from obviously losing quite a bit of weight and having much better blood sugar control, were there any mm -hmm. other non-scale victories that you had? <clears throat> yeah. Before I, I did all this, I had like no energy. And these days, exercising a whole lot, When I, especially when I fast, I have uh, boundless energy. I recently did a, a five-day fast, and to try to copy that doctor over in the UK, I tried to do back-to-back -back 10Ks, and I ended up doing three back-to-back -back 10Ks day after day for uh, three days in a row. And after the third time, I was like, right, this is kind of nuts. I, I was really sore because I'm kind of out of shape. But uh, the one thing about exercise is it makes you, it makes me a lot hungrier, so it's harder to fast after I exercise. But I found a lot more energy. I, I do test my blood ketones regularly, left over from my, my keto days. And I find myself to be consistently in a state of uh, nutritional ketosis. And that in itself, if you if you do research with that, with uh, doctors, Finney and Bullock, if you read their books, there's a whole host of benefits with being fat, fat adapted, having your, your body run off of fat stores and ketones rather than glucose in your body, or at least your brain. So yeah, there's there's a whole bunch. I feel hundred percent better than I did even a year ago. So yeah, it's incredible. And it happens quick too, I think, which people may not realize it's, I mean, there's an adjustment period for sure. It sounds like you kind of bypassed that whole adjustment period, but for a lot of other people, there's a little bit of yes. adjustment period, but once you get into it, 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 you feel better almost immediately. Yep. Yep. When you start, there's, you get something called keto flu, even if you're, if you're just doing fasting and not uh, the keto diet. When I started, I was actually eating low carb already. But there is a, a time frame where you're going to be, you're not going to feel the best. So it's really important to get enough uh, salt and electrolytes while you fast. So that, that'll help you feel better. And actually the very first fast I did, I did not feel good. And I got dizzy. I, I felt really weak. My, I was actually on blood pressure medication. I, I came off that after I exercised. That's another story, but um, 
I ended up drinking like a jar of pickle juice and I felt uh, completely rejuvenated uh, after my, during my first fast. So that's something, that's another uh, trick that you should probably keep in mind if you're doing a multiple day fast. So. So tell me, I know that you like these more extended fasts. What's your, is this your protocol to sort of do a really extended fast and have a few normal days and then, or, or how do you, how do you manage your protocol? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't really have a protocol. I just, I say, you know what? I, I just ate. I'm going to try to fast for 72 hours. If I make it 72 hours, great. After 72 hours, if I still feel good, I'm going to push it another day. If I don't make it to 72 hours, I'll just eat again. If I make it, you know, 30 hours, 24 hours, whatever. If there's a special occasion coming up, then I'll, you know, I'll eat during the special occasion, just roll into another one. Otherwise it's really ad hoc for me. I don't do a lot of planning. That's one of the really good things about fasting is it's so flexible. You can really individually tailor it. It's nothing set in stone. It's, it's flexible and best of all, it's free. It's free for anyone. It works with any kind of diet. If you are gluten-free, if you have nut allergies, if you can't eat dairy, if you're vegan, it works with any kind of diet and it works anytime. Yeah, that's, I love that part about it too. Are you, so prior to doing intermittent fasting, you said you were low carb before you've mm-hmm. been low carb for a number of years, I take it, or? Uh, yes, off, off and on. Yeah. But yeah, I, I really got into uh, keto probably back in 2014 and I lost probably like maybe 50 pounds or something like that. But then over the years, I slowly reintroduced carbs and I stopped counting my macros. I stopped counting my calories, ended up gaining it all back plus some, which makes a lot of sense because there, there's a famous study out there, the biggest loser study. If those who follow the Dr. Jason Funk, he references it a lot in his lectures, he, there was a longitudinal study of contestants on The Biggest Loser, which was a, a, a game show on NBC, I think. Uh, most listeners should be aware of that. They followed the contestants of The Biggest Loser for a number of years, and they found that they all, pretty much all of them, gained all the way back, and then they gained even more weight back when they uh, first started the contest. And this was because they, uh, the theory is that the move more, eat less. So restricting your calories and just moving more, it actually decreases your basal or what is it called? Your BMR, your metabolic rate. So even though you're restricting your calories, your body's burning less calories. And, and this is a big point that Dr. Fung makes that if you just give your body a chance to use the stores of fat that's on your body to use as energy instead of what's in your stomach, your BMR, your metabolic rate will actually stay the same and you'll increase your energy. But if you uh, reduce your, your calories by like 20%, 30%, something like that, then over time, you know, the first six months you're going to lose weight, but then after the six months over time, your body's actually going to, your metabolic rate's going to drop by 20 to 30%. So you're going to have to even cut your calories back even more in fasting that the research that I've done shows that that gets eliminated. So it's really quite incredible. Yeah, that's, yeah. Dr. Fung, for anybody who hasn't read it, the obesity code and the diabetes code are two great books. And he goes into that and he just lays it out very simply and gives a lot of great explanation as to how all this stuff happens and why you can't just simply restrict calories and expect everything to, to work out perfectly. The fasting part is really the the key to hold that holds all this stuff together. Right. And one, one thing I will say is that, um, you know, I, I've been kind of bigger my whole life and, and not having to, to count calories, calories in, calories out, and macros with fasting 
it really is something that I think I, I can stick with. So uh, it's a good sign to to lose all kinds of weight, like the first year you do it. But the real test of success is well, what's going to happen to me, you know, over five, 10 years, am I going to be able to keep it off? So that's, that's really the long-term goal. That's really my, my end goal uh, with this is to stay healthy for, for the rest of my life with doing this. And with the fasting, I think I can do that. So wh when I do get to my goal weight, I think I will change my protocol a little bit. I'll probably go from extended fasts to maybe OMAD, which is one meal a day, or you know, go to time-restricted eating. So I'll have to experiment with that. So that's that's to be seen. Yeah, I do OMAD. I'm at my you know maintenance right now. And I, mm -hmm. I was thinking about opening up my window a little bit longer, maybe you know, doing like 16-8 on the weekends or something like that. But I just decided I like OMAD so much that I'm just going to keep doing it. And my weight has yeah. actually been able to stay in a pretty consistent range. Yeah. Sometimes I'll throw alternate day in there, but I, I just love OMAD so much. I think you, you know, once you get to where you want to go, it's just, it's very easy to maintain that. Yeah. So it, yeah, go ahead. I, I was just going to say lots of people, you know, I I've been on the online forums. Lots of people have great success with OMAD. I just, I I'm kind of impatient. So I do the, the extended fast. <laughs> Yeah, but, but I'll see if I can if that's sustainable for me. So far, it has been. So, but are you hitting any plateaus, or has your weight loss been pretty consistent over time? For the holiday for for December, I think I didn't lose any weight just because I kind of at eight kind of between Thanksgiving and New Year was kind of you know holiday eating. I didn't do my extended fast, but I didn't gain any weight, and I just after like. Christmas dinner, I, I rolled back into a fast. I ended up losing like eight, 10 more pounds after that. So, and after I ate like that, like I didn't feel guilty at all. Cause I knew I, I'd have success going back to fasting. You know, I, I did a lot of traveling and that sort of thing, but um, that was the only plateau. Otherwise I'm, I'm back on track and I feel good. So, and, and it's funny when I was eating kind of ad libitum again, my blood sugars kind of went all over the place. And I was like, you know, I, I really don't feel good. I really miss fasting. And I, I really look forward to uh, getting back on, on track with fasting. So. Yeah. I, I have the same feeling when my blood sugars are a mess after I, you know, the only time my blood sugars are really not right is if I've eaten something it's, it's in my, right after my eating window, that's when I feel the effect of potentially not always, but potentially if I miss yes. on my bolus, Mm -hmm. And then I'm just like, oh, I can't wait for all this food to be out of my system so that I can just get back to the straight line again. Yep. It just yep. it you, feels so uncomfortable. You you become addicted to the straight lines. Yeah, exactly. So when you do these longer fasts, do, how do you feel? You know, first day, second day, third day, fourth day. Sure. So the I would say the hungriest that I get is probably, I'd say like maybe four hours after my first meal, maybe four to 12 hours after my first meal. And then it, it's, it's the opposite of what you would think. The longer you fast, the, the more your, your hunger hormone ghrelin reduces. So it's not like when you, when you fast, your hunger goes up and up and up and up and up and up until you just can't take it anymore. Actually, the, the opposite is true. Your ghrelin levels actually go down. Um, so probably the first one to two days is when you, you're kind of the hungriest. But if you're fat adapted, if you're keto adapted, then it really helps with that. The one, some things that kind of risk my, um, the length of time or, or for me fasting is if I get overly like incredibly hungry, 
and my usual tricks don't work. Like if <clears throat> my salt drinks or <clears throat> hot tea or, or black coffee doesn't work for me and I end up eating again, or if there's a special occasion and, and I eat again, <clears throat> or I've had this a couple times. I mentioned before that I have a <clears throat> blood ketone meter. I found that during my extended fasts, <clears throat> my blood ketones will actually rise to a level that I don't feel good. So that usually happens when they get to about 5.5, 6.0, and the, the highest that I've measured with quote-unquote starvation ketones, ketosis. And at that point, I do not feel good and I have to eat again. Yeah, if, if I don't feel good, then I stop immediately. I, I don't try to push it. I don't try to be a hero. <clears throat> and that's a good thing about fasting is, is how flexible it is. So, so yeah, I listen to my body. Yeah, that's something that, I mean, yesterday is an example for me too. You know, when I was trying to do the, the down day, I just couldn't, my blood sugars were just, I was, I was trending low and then I would try to treat it a little bit. And then I didn't dial back enough on the insulin sensitivity. And so it was pushing me down again. So I just kept having, it was like a low roller coaster. It was just like low, 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 you know, and I just, I couldn't get into a groove and it was very frustrating. Did, have you ever had that happen? Yeah, it definitely. It, it can be real frustrating when your blood sugars don't cooperate, especially when you're fasting. Um, when I get low, I, I will not hesitate to treat a low if I feel that I need to, but usually this might be controversial, but I, I usually try to just ride it out, especially if it's like 65 ish, 70, something like that. I'll just let my body take it up again. But if I'm like, you know, 50, if I, if I'm experiencing really bad symptoms of hypoglycemia, I'll, I'll pop like three, three glucose tablets and, and just, you know, keep fasting or I'll make that the time for me to, to eat again. But yeah, I can definitely, I've been there before with hypoglycemic events. And that's another thing with when I exercise, especially doing cardio, um, blood, my, I have to make sh doubly sure that my insulin pump is on uh, exercise mode. So for those who have tandem, there's a, there's normal mode, there's sleep mode, which I normally keep it on to keep a tighter control. And then there's exercise mode and exercise mode will have your blood sugars creep up a little bit higher to stay safer during exercise. Uh, because when I, when I exercise, I find that my, my blood sugar drops uh, pretty dramatically after about uh, 30 to, to 40 minutes. I I do cardio, like a running or walking. Occasionally I'll throw in some, some resistance training, which I want to get more into. But I, I also find that resistance training tends to spike me because I, I do the high intensity interval training when I do do resistance training. But I like my whole, my whole goal with, with fasting and eating low carb is to reduce the amount of insulin that my body needs because the less insulin you have in your body, the less your blood sugar is going to swing up and down and the more apt your body is to give up the fat stores and, and you'll lose weight because insulin, it, it's, it's vital for type one diabetics and everyone generally speaking, but it also, it's the obesity hormone. And there's a school of thought out there that says that, um, that uh, obesity is, it's not like a willpower thing. It's not any of that. It's actually a hormonal imbalance and the hormonal imbalances that is hyperinsulinemia, where your body has too much insulin and your body's insulin resistant. So a good prescription to, to lose weight is to do things that reduce the amount of insulin that your body needs. So eating low carb, fasting, um, doing low impact cardio, cardio work, where, which will naturally lower your blood sugars. Anything you can do to, to get your insulin down will help lead to weight loss. So 
Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, obviously for people who are not uh, insulin dependent, that's, that's great. And for people that are, are insulin dependent, it's even better because as you know, us trying to take the place for our pancreas, we do such an imperfect job of it that right. the more you can get that insulin out of the way, the better off you're going to be. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been struggling with that my whole life. In a lot of ways, I feel like over the last 24 years, I've had diabetes for 24 years as well. You know, I've learned a lot, but then some days I feel like I just got diagnosed yesterday and I have no idea yep. how insulin works. <laughs> you know? yeah, no matter, no, no matter how, <laughs> No matter how well you have your, you think you have your diabetes control, you're just, you know, you're two hours away from being absolutely devastated by a low blood sugar or high blood sugar. You know, you could, you could get sick, you get infection, you could take overestimate your bolus or something like that, and you could be knocked on your butt. So this morning, actually, I had an occlusion with my tandem pump, which rarely happens to me. So I woke up, fortunately, I heard the alarm, but my blood sugar was starting to raise at 140, I was like, oh my gosh. And fortunately, I was in a fasting window. If I if I hadn't been fasting, I'm sure my blood sugar would have been well over 250. I wasn't sure how how long my I'd been occluded, but you know, that's just one example of you know, some you know, life happens and your blood sugars could spiral out of control very quickly. And it's just you need to do what you you have to do to um, keep them in control. So yes, I agree. So stay humble, stay humble. Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> That's the one lesson that diabetes teaches you on a daily basis. There's never any day off or any minute off from having diabetes. No. So nope, nope. <laughs> so on your tandem, you have you said you have the sleep mode, the exercise mode, and then yep. you have a fasting mode. So, so there's personal profiles that you can set up with different basal rates, and I have an eating personal profile and I have a fasting personal profile, which reduces the amount of basal and. There's also uh, something called exercise mode, which works with with any personal profile and their sleep mode. So for those that don't have tandem, like I said, exercise mode, it'll it works with any personal profile that you have. It'll keep you a little bit higher while you exercise. And sleep mode keeps you uh, in a tighter range between 80 to 120. And a lot of people use sleep mode 24 by 7 to keep tighter control of their blood sugars. So, and that's what I tend to do if I'm not exercising. I just keep it on sleep mode so I get lower blood sugar. So. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I've, I've heard that. Yeah. I'm on, I'm on loop, which has a lot of similar features to tandem, mm -hmm. but I think tandem takes a little bit of the, you know, messing around with the system out of it with the, with loop. I mean, you're constantly in the algorithm and you're setting every little thing. So there's all these yeah. different inputs. I think that probably tandem is just a little bit easier to, to kind of manage. Yeah, it, there's definitely a learning curve with tandem, but you know, setting your own algorithms, I, I would never do that. <laughs> I, I would definitely mess that up. And kudos to you for for messing with that. I, I really don't know anything about those those loop systems like that. It sounds like something out of the matrix. Uh, yeah, it, it does take a little while. I I like it, but you know, and I know Omnipod's coming out with their Omnipod Five or Omnipod Horizon, which I'm actually like, I don't know if I want to do it. I kind of want to keep looping because. Yeah. I now I now I understand. It's just like anything. Once you understand it, it's like oh, here we exactly. go again. Got to try a new well, thing. It, yeah, I mean, if if it works for you, it works for you. You, you stick with with what works. Um, there's a lot of people out there that have you know sub 5.0 A1Cs doing MDI. I, I've seen it before. They're the Dr. Bernstein crowd, the uh, Type One Grit folks. There's a lot of those folks that do MDI and have really good control of their blood sugar. So I, I personally, I like the tandem because it's one less thing for me to worry about and it helps with my morning uh, blood sugars. 
and I think Tandem's actually coming out or they're looking into doing like a, a pod type um, insulin pump. So it, it's going to be like uh, the Omnipod, I think, where, you know, there's no tubes or anything like that. And I'm also looking forward to the uh, Dexcom G7. So that'll that'll be interesting to see the, the benefits of that coming out soon. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of new new things coming out this year. I think everything got a little bit delayed with COVID, but this yep. year is going to be a really, I think it's going to be a really good year for diabetes management. One thing I wanted to get a little bit more in depth with you about is treating lows in your fasting mm -hmm. period. Sure. So I agree with you. Like if it's 65, 70, especially if I'm like well into a fast, I just let it ride. Cause I know mm -hmm. that my, my body will take care of it. And it'll bring it up. If you're an MDI, it may be a little bit of a different story, especially if you have too much long acting going on, you probably don't have that option, mm -hmm. but so for you, let's say you're, I mean, how often do you get below 65, 70 in your fasting period? Not often at all. Not often. Another really important thing to look at that that piece of information that I take in if I'm going to decide to fast is the trend line. So if I see the trend is going up or or if it's a sideways arrow with my Dexcom and it's 65 or, or even 60 and I, and I don't have symptoms, I'm just going to let it ride. If I see that I have like a unit or two of insulin on board and there's like a down arrow and I'm 70, 75, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to pop a couple glucose tablets. So it, it just comes with experience. There's no set mathematical formula to it. I just use my gut and um, it's it's worked so far. I haven't had any or needed any assistance with, with hypos for a very long time. And that's really a good feeling. So after you take a glucose tablet for a low, do you feel like it triggers any hunger signals or are you able to just fast on without any, any issues? That's a, that's a good question. Um, eating, if I start eating again, that's then the appetite will definitely turn on uh, a couple of glucose tablets. I don't think that's really going to uh, spike my, my appetite, but it has in the past, I, I have use treating lows as an excuse to end my fast and, and do a refeed. But it's, you know, it, my attitude is if I can power through it or even treat, treat a low and, and just keep fasting, I'll do that. But um, if I get overly hungry um, and I don't feel well and I, and I know that I need to eat something, you know, some protein with, with the hypo, with some glucose, then I'll do that and I'll just treat it as, as a refeed. So uh, like I said, I, I'm not strict with, with the rules when it comes to fasting. I just, I listen to my body and it's worked well for me so far. So, yeah, I mean, as, as type ones, we really can't be super strict with the rules because we have extenuating circumstances, obviously. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, yeah. there's so many different factors that, that affect your blood sugar. It's, there's too, too many to list. So, yeah. Yeah. So are do you, do you strictly treat lows with glucose tablets or do you have other? Uh, strictly with glucose tablets. Yep. So one, I haven't taken one in a really long time. One has what, 10 units or 15 or 15 units of carbs or? Sure. One, one tablet has four grams. Four grams. Okay. So, so if you I, get a I, low, like yeah. I like them because I'm not going to eat too many and I think they taste absolutely disgusting. <laughs> so I, I'll have like one or two, I'll, I'll see, you know, I'll do like a bump and nudge. I'll, I'll eat one or two, see how it does, raises my blood sugar. If I still need more, I'll, I'll have a couple more, but I'm not going to overeat glucose tablets. It's not something I, I like eating and they're, you know, they're compact. They come in little cases. They're easy to carry around. You know, if I go for, for a run or for a walk, they're easy to keep in my pocket, but that's my preferred method for treating butchers. Plus it's always consistent for how many grams of carbohydrates you get. So that's another benefit. 
Yeah, that's true. I, I may switch to that approach as well. I, I typically use a variety of different methods to treat low blood sugars. Like sometimes if it's, you know, well into my fasting period and I get a low, I might eat like a half a piece of bread just because it's a mm -hmm. or whole wheat bread, just because it's a slower rise in like a gummy bear or something like that. Sure. But Sure. The bread sometimes triggers the hunger and then I have to deal with that fallout later, which is not ideal. So yeah. I may, I may actually buy some <laughs> glucose tabs because I don't, I don't like the taste of them either, which is why after I got diagnosed in 1997, I stopped eating them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I went through that same period too. I had glucose tablets when I was a kid and I was like, you know, I'd, I'd rather pound juice boxes or gummy bears or something like that. And the problem with that is there's, there's, you know, it's so much sugar. You, you actually over treat so that it helps continue your, your roller coaster blood sugars. Like it will get too high and then you'll take a bolus to correct and get too low. So I find, you know, just a couple glucose tablets and I'm pretty, I'm good to go usually. So. Yeah. I used to, this is a sidebar, but I used to uh, treat with jelly beans mm -hmm. and I love jelly beans. And then I realized you cannot treat low blood sugars with something you actually like to eat because otherwise exactly. it's going to be a disaster. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Stay away um, from the chocolate frosting. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, this has been super helpful. I, I mean, you've already kind of stated that you feel like intermittent fasting and the low carb keto diet that you're on is something that you're going to pursue long term. Mm -hmm. That's 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 really how you see things, right? You can't imagine going back I to do. the old way. Yeah, I do. Yep. My, I can't imagine it another way right now. And like I said, my my um, biggest test for success is, is not really the short-term weight loss, but it's more the, the long-term because all, all diets work for the first six months, even for the first year, but then you, you stretch out the timeline longer than that. And most people will regain the weight. I read a statistic somewhere that, that the eat less, move more stuff. It works only between like one to 5% of people are successful with that. Um, and that's why these, these different companies continue to make money hand over fist you know, like Weight Watchers and that sort of thing. That's, I'm not saying that people won't have success with those sort of things. I'm just saying that that's human nature. With fasting, it's free, it's flexible. You can do it anytime. It works with any kind of diet. You know, you can you can eat rice and, and pasta for your, for your refeed meals and your, your blood sugar will come back down again after an extended fast or you could eat uh, cheeseburgers every meal. It, it depends. They just recommend that, you know, you stay away from the processed stuff sugar and that sort of thing. So yeah, I, I really like it. So before we close, do you have any last tips and tr or tricks or any advice for new people that are starting that are, that have either type one or sure. type two or pre-diabetes? Sure. Well, first of all, there's some things, you know, I'm, I'm not an expert in diabetes. I'm not an expert in fasting. If you are going to get into fasting, there's uh, some categories of people that should not do it and those include people with uh, eating disorders. If your BMI, uh, if you're underweight, if you have, if you take medications, it's really best to check with your doctor before uh, starting on a fasting journey. It, and that includes type one diabetes. It's good to loop in your diabetes care team. That being said, some tips and tricks that I like to do. I, I like to do clean fasts. That's what I have the most success with. So I find hot drinks like hot tea, hot black coffee, they really do a lot to take your hunger away. If if you are getting a hunger pang, just wait 30 minutes and it'll subside uh, dramatically. This is kind of a nasty drink, but I drink it during my extended fast. I mix pink salt, water, and apple cider vinegar. You swish it around. 
it's it takes the hunger away and it helps rehydrate you and don't be afraid to take salt on your extended fast because it'll actually help rehydrate you as you fast you're going to lose a lot of water um so you need to be sure to uh stay hydrated so you just put the you put the salt on your tongue or you put it in your water i know you have that drink I, you'd like but yeah you, yeah, you can put the salt under your tongue. A lot of people do that. <clears throat> a lot of people put salt in their coffee. I've done that before. My wife doesn't like it when I do that. She came out one morning and made a really bad face and slapped me in the arm. What did you do? <laughs> but it's, yes, don't be afraid of salt when you're fasting. I, I keep a blood ketone meter. I think it's fun to to check out my my blood ketone levels throughout a fast. And I like to kind of track that. That's something else. and you will find that if you do extended fasting, you will have a lot more energy. So uh, plan accordingly. It may affect your sleep. I found that I wake up a lot earlier than I used to just because I'm I'm ready to go and I'm I'm full of energy. So I'll be ready for that too. So. That's great. That's very helpful. And you're a huge inspiration to not only diabetics, but to everybody and that you've been able to do this. So yeah. I applaud you and, and, and your efforts. Yeah. And I, and I want to applaud you for uh, starting this, this podcast. Cause I, I think, um, type one, uh, or diabetes, generally speaking, like the general public will, uh, benefit greatly from fasting and especially the type one diabetes and, and type two diabetes, the less insulin that we all need, <clears throat> the, I think the healthier that will be while maintaining healthy blood sugars, that is. So I think, you know, the more people that we get on, the more we talk about it, the more mainstream it'll get. So, yeah. And I'm really excited to check back in with you at some point in time, hopefully when you're, you've lost all the weight that you want to lose and you're in maintenance, I would love to have you back and we can talk sure. about things that have changed for you because I love your Absolutely. story. Yeah. I'd I love think to do it. This, so inspirational. this was a lot of fun. Yeah. This was a lot of fun. Listening. All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your time and thanks everyone for listening. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest, please email me at fastlifewithdiabetes at gmail.com. Thanks so much. Have a great day.